Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May the 8th, and our chapter for today is Nehemiah chapter 6. Well, hasn't this been a great book? What a lesson. This has been a class, no, a seminar on how to lead, how to get a job done. Nehemiah sought the face of God for four months. He fasted. He prayed. God gave him a plan. God funded the plan. God protected the plan. God approved of the plan, and he enabled them to do what he had put on their heart to do. I love it. But as we have seen, opposition comes from without and from within. You had Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, all of these people uh, mocking, ridiculing, sarcasm fill their vile mouths and minds. They tried to discourage Nehemiah and the Jews from rebuilding the wall. And then they threatened to destroy them and defeat them and attack them. That didn't work. And so How did Nehemiah and how did the Jews overcome these constant, I mean constant, attacks against them? It's as certain as night and day. They did the same thing every time. This is all the way through the scripture just like that, and I want to show you. They prayed and sought the face of God. When we pray, we recognize that God is in control. We recognize that God is greater than our enemies. We recognize that God is greater than our circumstances. We recognize that God can do anything and he will. All we need to do in prayer is find the will of God and get in it. It's the safest place on earth in the center of God's will because you are in his hand. The most dangerous place on earth is to be out of the will of God as a child of God walking in disobedience. That's dangerous because even God in his great mercy will one day say that's enough. There is a sin unto death, John the beloved disciple says. The Lord said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. The writer of Hebrews says that if we do not have chastisement when we're walking out of the will of God, we are bastards. We're illegitimate children. We are not his children because he said, if you are mine, then I'm going to chasten you. And he said, there is no child of mine that is without chastisement. That means if God hadn't dealt with you about your sin, then you don't belong to him. Now, this is plain as a nose on our faces. We just want to disregard it because we have painted God as this God of love like he's some grandfather. 
There's a difference between a grandfather and a father. God is never presented as a grandfather, always as a father. Why? Because the father is totally responsible for that child's upbringing, value system, behavior, and so forth, because the child will listen to what the father says, yes, but even more what he does, because we first are visual learners. You see, Christianity and the becoming a follower of Jesus is more caught than taught at first. We first catch it. We first see it. We first witness it. And then it becomes a part of who we are. Because people don't talk to their blue in the face, but notice how God does it. He teaches us through our own children. When you become a father, you see it. A child doesn't understand patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, roll him up and throw him in the pan. But they see you clapping and they see you rolling your hands and then they see you opening them up like you're throwing away. You know what they'll do? They'll try to do that. And we teach them to do that. Why? But we're teaching them obedience. We're teaching them to follow us visually. And then we get upset when they see what we do instead of what we say and the two are not in harmony with each other. That causes confusion among the children. And so God has told us how to do it. We need to pray and acknowledge the God of heaven that he is sovereign. And once we do that, everything else, it seems, begins to fall in place. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it begins to fall in place as far as perspective. So what did they do when they were ridiculed and mocked and discouraged and people were totally sarcastic and threatening? They prayed and then they did what they knew to do. And they got their heads together because their hearts were together. And then when the work was threatened to be attacked, I mean physically attacked, in every way attacked, what they do? They did the same thing. They prayed. They followed a pattern. They didn't try to come up with solutions until they had talked with God. Why? Because God has all the solutions. And so they prayed, and then they said, okay, we're going to have to have some security here because we can't just act like we don't know what they're threatening to do. These people could come on us, and so everybody strapped on a sword to the side, and those who worked had a sword in one hand, a trowel in the other, and they were they were just doing everything they could to build the wall, but they were staying aware of their circumstances, and they posted guards at the most vulnerable areas. You see, every one of our churches have vulnerable areas. Every one of our lives have vulnerable areas. We are not living life in a vacuum. Every one of us come from certain families, certain tendencies, certain DNAs, and we need to know where we are vulnerable. Yes, we need to know where we're strong, but let me just tell you this, and don't ever forget it. If you have strengths, if you don't guard that strength, it becomes a double weakness. Because you don't even realize that you have made yourself vulnerable thinking, I don't need to guard this strength over here. We've got to guard every area of our life. And if you don't guard your strengths, certainly you're going to guard your vulnerabilities. If you have tendencies that you know are uh, toward alcoholism and it's in your family and it's been abusive and all this thing, well, don't start hanging around with people that are drinking. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. If you have an addictive behaviors, you got to watch what you're doing. That's like going into a lion's cage, putting the slab of meat on each side of your shoulder, walking in, shutting the door, and then not understanding why the lion is attacking you. Get out of his cage. 
And so they had vulnerabilities there in the wall. So what they do, they set up guards there. But even where they were strong and had, and they were working, they had guards there too. And the people themselves had their swords, their weapons ready because they knew they were at some point they may have to fight and they were willing to do it. Why? Because Nehemiah said, you've got to remember God. We've got to pray. We've got to seek his face. But then we've got to do something about it. And this was the pattern all the way through. And when you come to chapter 6 here, it doesn't stop there. It says that when they couldn't do anything else, they tried to distract. So they tried to get Nehemiah to get away from the good work he was doing and to meet at a separate location somewhere. They said in verse 2, come let us meet together among the villages of the plain of Ono. That was away from Jerusalem. But they sought to do me harm. Nehemiah saw right through this. Why? Because he was walking with God. He had his sensitivity and his discernment exercised. He was ready. So I sent messengers to them and said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? You see, God starts blessing the work and we think, okay, this is a blessing me to go do something else. No, no. This is time when you roll up your sleeves and get to work. And they sent four times, and they said, Sambalat, this is verse 5, I'm sorry, this is so typical of the enemy. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with, with an open letter in his hand, and it was written. Now, this is just like a kid. This is just like it. Okay, you can't get you any. Okay, I'm, t- I'm telling on you. Listen to this. It was reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. That's a lie. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall, that you may be their king. In other words, Nehemiah, we're going to impute motives to you that are impure, ungodly, like they could read his heart. You have also appointed prophets and proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying there is a king in Judah. Now, these matters will be reported to the king. In other words, we're telling on you. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Now, we can work this out, Nehemiah. We're going to be good to you. We're going to give you an opportunity. This just is just like the enemy. Then I sent to him, saying, no such things as you say are being done. And listen to this. I love this, this sweet language. But you invent them in your own heart. Now, what Nehemiah was saying is, you just made that up. Now, I used to be naive and think, and this is this is a very common saying, even among people of God, we got to stop this. Well, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. No, 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 no. The devil creates smoke where there's no fire. Please understand this. You see, when people start saying, and the people in my church, they know because I've said this, the elders, I've said this to them so many times. No one wonders well. No one. If somebody says, I wonder if they, the next thing that's going to come out of their mouth in East Tennessee and in the South is, I bet they. I wonder if they. Well, I'll bet they. No one wonders well. They're not saying, I wonder if they are going to be as blessed as we know that they're going to be. I wonder if they're thinking these wonderful thoughts. No, they're saying that I bet they are doing this. And it's never good. I bet they're up to something good. I bet they're just looking for ways to bless people. I bet when they're meeting over there together, they're just plotting up how they can bless my socks off. No, 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 no. No, I want no one wonders well. 
When people say, I wonder if, the next thing's going to be out of their mouth is, I bet they, well, if I was a betting man, I would say this. Okay. No such things as you say, you invented them. You just made that up. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. See, they were trying to distract them. This is the way the enemy works. He tries to discourage, defeat, destroy. And if nothing else works from without and from within, they'll try to distract you. And so this was happening. And so what did they do? Let's see if the pattern follows. Look at the end of verse 9. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. What did he do? He prayed immediately. It didn't say, and Nehemiah prayed. No, this is what we've seen him do already. And so it just shows him in the act of it. It gives us the content of his prayer. Now, therefore, will God strengthen my hands. Afterwards, he was again tempted even not to go somewhere else, but to meet in the temple. And he, he said, no. And uh, it, we're going to later see it gets hilarious because Nehemiah turns around and says, don't make me have to lay hands on you. And so it says, look at verse 15. This is j- just wonderful. So the wall was finished in 52 days, not even two months. They finished. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. You know why? They couldn't be discouraged. You know why? They couldn't be distracted. You know why? They couldn't be defeated. They couldn't be destroyed. Because they prayed and trusted God and did what they knew to do, what God had put in their hand, and this is the way that God wins the victory. God has a part and we have a part. Buildings don't get built without people having a mind to work. And that's not just giving. Uh, We all have to give. We all have to. But work doesn't get done in foreign countries, in our country, domestically, in our own churches, in our cities, unless we roll up our sleeves and do something about it. You see, we've got a choice. Every one of us carry a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline. Let's just take those two. Every rumor that starts, we can either pour water on it and stop it, or we can throw gasoline on it. We have a choice. We have a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline. And when it comes to rumors, spreading gossip, doing vile things, we can either throw gasoline on it or water. You have to make a choice. You can receive something or you can reject it. You can stop something or you can aid its progress. You and I have choices to be men and women of God. And if we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to have to pray and do the right thing. And they finished the work, and the Scripture says when they did it, because they weren't discouraged. Uh, It was discouraging, but they weren't discouraged. In other words, they didn't quit. They didn't stop. They were not distracted. They kept on target. They kept on mission. They kept on purpose. And they finished the work because the people had a mind to work. They had a heart to work. And it says... And all the nations, when our enemies heard her, look at verse 16. You ought to underline this and mark it in red. And it happened when our enemies heard of it. What? That we had finished the work God had given us to do. We didn't quit. And all the nations around us saw these things. Look at this, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. Why? Because it succeeded? No. Because they perceived that this work was done by our God. Now, this is amazing. Nehemiah and the people that were with him prayed to God. 
did it the right way. They weren't discouraged. They weren't destroyed. They weren't defeated. They weren't distracted. They finished what God had given them to do in spite of everything that was being said, everybody wanting them to fail. And even within, they had to deal with their own issues. But when the work was finished, they gave glory to God. They saw that God had done the work because it could only be done supernaturally. Let me ask you something. What's going on in your life that if it is accomplished, it's going to be so supernatural that people are going to say, I'll tell you what, that's more than they could do. That had to be God with them. You know who gets the glory then? Not a certain church, not a pastor, not a group of elders, not some wealthy man, not some wealthy woman. Not No, I'll tell you who gets the glory. God Almighty gets the glory because they realize that it couldn't be done without God. What are you tackling that is going to take supernatural divine intervention in order to accomplish it? Well, let me just say this to you as you walk on the way. You need to be involved in some things that if God doesn't intervene, it's not going to go. If you and I can figure it out all in our little weak, finite, peanut brains, then God's probably not within a thousand miles of it. God has to give us supernatural wisdom to look at life from his perspective when we do that. Exciting things starts happening. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. The people had a mind to work. And all the nations, all the enemies... They were discouraged when they perceived that God had done the work. Now that is altogether glorious as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.